many of you enjoy road trips? Just raise your hands if you enjoy a good road trip. How many of you are not a fan of road trips? I would, I would uh, fit in that category. I'm not in love with long road trips. Uh, road trips, the, the thing about road trips is you are trying to get somewhere, right? There is a destination that you are arriving at. And one of the famous questions that every child asks, uh, no matter uh, what kind of a child they are, and it usually only takes about 15 minutes uh, before this question is asked. I, uh, I had uh, my two kids, two of my kids, on a road trip uh, this summer. We were going to the, the Smoky Mountains, and uh, the older one, the oldest one, she didn't ask the question because she's kind of gotten more mature now, and so she didn't ask the question, but my nine-year-old did ask the question. It's the question that we asked as children, that everybody has asked, and let's see if you know the question. The question is, are we? Yes, you've, you've asked that question. Your kids have asked that question, and, uh, and it doesn't matter how many times a parent answers the question. No, we are not there yet, and you can answer as creatively as possible. When the car stops... When the car comes to a stop, a complete stop, and we get out of the vehicle, and you see me stretch because I'm old, and you see me yawn, and you see me excited that we have arrived at our destination, then we are there. That doesn't matter. You can say it as creatively as possible. How many of you know it's still going to be asked about 10 or 15 more times on the trip? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I wonder if that's a question that we, uh, maybe in our own secret lives, have ever asked God. God, are we there yet? Or it maybe for you, it wasn't exactly like that. Maybe it was, God, are you there? God, hello. God, what are you doing right now? Where are we going in this journey of life that I am on right now? Because it feels like I'm so far away from where you want me to be. And really, God, if I'm honest, it feels like you're far. It feels like you are distant. God, are, are we there yet? Really, what we've got here is a passage of Scripture that we want to read out of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, where the disciples are uh, asking this question. They're on this journey, trying to get to a destination, but going through a storm and asking Jesus, are we there yet? Let's read it together. That, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I want us just to say uh, those two questions that Jesus asked those. I'd like us for us just to say those out loud because I want us to build on the premise of those two questions. The, the questions being, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Let's say them out loud together. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I want you just to put your hand over your heart and I want you to ask yourself the question, okay? Okay, say self. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Come on, one more time. Self, why are you so afraid? 
do you still have no faith? It's this question of God, are we there yet? God, where are you and what are you doing? Kind of earth to God. The, the question of what do we do when we're not where we're going, but uh, we're not where we used to be. It's this, this question of the in-between time, this question of storms, this, the in-between time or, or in the meantime. In the meantime isn't something that is talked about much. It's not spoken about much, especially in the day of social media that we live in right now. We live in what I call the highlight reel in our world. The highlight reel being Instagram and Facebook. Uh, there are not many people that are putting the in-between times, in the mean times, on the highlight, highlight reel. I am a, a fan. Is anybody else a fan of SportsCenter? Anybody else watch uh, Sports Center, yeah. So I'm a fan of Sports Center, and here's the thing about Sports Center. The thing about Sports Center is that they don't show the hard times of the athlete. They don't show the athlete waking up early in the morning and, and going running. They don't show the athlete eating their Wheaties, you know, and preparing for the game. They they only show the highlight reel. I I was at the Pelicans' uh, first preseason uh, game that was at home. I went to see Zion play. Come on, somebody go Zion. And, uh, and I had to step out for a few minutes because my son was hungry. And, and so we went out and we went to the, uh, the concession stand to get some food. And I, and I came back and I asked the question to the people I was with, did any, anything happen that was going to show up on SportsCenter while I was gone? Like, it, did, did anything in the highlight reel happen? And they said, nope, nothing in the highlight reel happened. Well, just a few minutes after I arrived, the SportsCenter moment happened uh, with Zion. I was so afraid or so excited that I didn't miss the highlight reel. The truth is that we are actually addicted to the highlight reels of our life, aren't we? We're addicted to going from high to high, from this to that, and it all being good and thus not having many storms in the meantime, in the in-between times. And what I want to talk to you about for the next few minutes is the times in our life where we are really in between. And the background of this story is that the passage kind of picks up with Jesus teaching the crowd, and, and this happens kind of before the passage that we read, and then Jesus gets his disciples, and they go into a boat, and he tells them, we're going to go to the other side. Now, if you read the Bible, and you actually try to imagine yourself being there, which I do frequently, you're asking yourself, Jesus, why are we going to the other side? But he doesn't tell them why. And that kind of goes into the question of why do we always have to know why? Hello? Why do we always have to know why? Can we actually just obey God even when he doesn't explain himself? Hello? And why do we as humans, as finite human beings, why do we have to ask God why? Are we willing to just obey, just to get in the boat and obey no matter what happens? And Jesus is taking his guys, and they're going to the other side. He doesn't explain to them why. And they're in what's referred to as the Sea of Galilee. Now, let me just talk to you about the Sea of Galilee. It's actually not a sea. It's like it's actually a lake. And I would kind of refer to it, honestly, the closest thing I can think of it is like Lake Pontchartrain for us. Okay, because Lake Pontchartrain, when you're out on Lake Pontchartrain, I've been out there in a boat, or when you're driving across that 20-mile bridge, however it is, how many of you know it doesn't feel like a lake, right? Like, it, it feels long. It feels just like it would feel out in the ocean or out in the sea. And the Sea of Galilee is actually 13 miles long, and it's 8 miles wide. 
It's known as one of the most shallow lakes ever. And then it's also known for some incredible storms that would happen. And that's actually what's taking place. This actually isn't that abnormal at the time for uh, this to be happening. And so the Bible says that, that they're going across the other side. The disciples are in this boat and that this great storm comes upon them. Storms are something that we are familiar with, are we not, here in New Orleans? And you know what I've discovered? I just want to just kind of get on a bandwagon for just a second. I've discovered that most of the time, the worst storms in our city are the ones that are unannounced. How many of you figured that out? They're the storms that literally come on us, and maybe we were just supposed to have a little bit of rain, and it ends up being an August uh, day, usually when we're trying to plan our C3 festival or something, when, when the rain literally comes and it's not a few inches, it's, it's literally pouring like gallons on us. And our streets flood and, and we've already arrived at work, we're already at, at the school and, and things become unsafe in a hurry here in our city when we have storms. And then I'll say, and I don't want to hang out here too long because I don't want to upset any of you, but most of the time when they announce the storm ahead of time, usually a tropical storm or a hurricane that's supposed to arrive, how many figured out? Not all the time, but most of the time that ends up being nothing, right? And so there's this storm that, that happened, and it's, it's unannounced, and it happens, and it not only happens, I want to talk to you about not only the physical storms that happen when it comes to the weather, but the storms that happen in our lives. How many of you know most of the time storms are unannounced, right? They don't usually give us warning. Hey, I just want you to know six months from now, you're going to go through a really difficult season of your life. Hey, I just want you to be aware a year from now, you're going to walk through a financial situation that is going to make you want to tear your hair out. How many of you know storms usually don't announce themselves? You usually don't have a lot of warning when they come. They just happen. They happen in our lives. And I don't know if you're in a storm here today. I would imagine in a room this size, there are some of you that are actually facing a storm right now. You're in a season right now where you are walking through something hard, a storm. Whether the storm be that you're battling depression, whether the storm uh, being something that has happened in your marriage, the storm being a financial situation, the storm being walking through a sickness or walking through a, 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 a loved one that is going through a crisis or walking through a family situation, whatever it is, this storm that is taking place in our life that is unannounced and really what happens when we have storms is it kind of shows us what we're made of, doesn't it? It kind of shows us who we really are on the inside. When these storms come, these unannounced storms, it, it shows us what we're made of. And I, I feel like the church, the capital C church, not just our church, but the church has kind of done uh, most of us an injustice. And we have basically presented to you that as if you become a Christ follower, your life is going to be absent of storms. And I promise you that that's not true. And it is laughable. It actually is laughable. Because I just have to tell you, the presence of Jesus does not guarantee the absence of storms. The presence of Jesus never guarantees the absence of storms. Yet somehow, many times, I, when it happens, am surprised. 
God, how could this happen? I didn't see this coming. I like what 1 Peter 4 verse 12 and verse 16 says. It says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. And when the disciples awake, all of a sudden there's a storm. And, and we don't have the exact, you know, what happened in between the time that the storm happened and the time that they talked to Jesus. But there were, I just have to tell you, there were four fishermen that were on this boat. That means there were four guys that are on the boat that probably know what to do during these storms. They, pr- they probably are aware, okay, this is what we do. This is how we bail out the water. This is, this is what what takes place when the storm happens. So I can imagine that Simon Peter, one of the fishermen, and the other three that were on the boat, I can imagine that they've actually tried everything that they can at this point, and at this point, they don't know what else to do because the storm isn't getting any better. The situation isn't, isn't getting any better, and I don't know about you, but there are many times in my life that I try to do everything I can do, and nothing is changing, right? Nothing is better. And so they do what I think any of us would have done. They wake up Jesus. Now, it's just interesting that Jesus is actually asleep in the back of the boat, okay? And they ask him this question. It's actually dripping with accusation. I want you to hear this question. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now you, before you start pointing fingers at the disciples and saying, how could you speak to Jesus that way? Haven't we done that, friends? Haven't you ever had a moment where you've said, God, are you there? Do you care? Do you care about this, this marital crisis that we are in? Do you care about the financial desperation that we are walking through right now? Do you not care about what's happening in my physical body? Do you not care about this family issue that we're, we're struggling with? Do you not care about this situation, God? Do you not care about what's happening in our city, Lord? And, and I had a city moment yesterday. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you did as well, where we see what, what happened at the Hard Rock Hotel you know, where people actually died uh, in that building. And then we see the, the pipe that breaks, the water line that breaks uh, just a few hours later in our city. And, you know, I had a moment where I said, God, look, why does this always happen in New Orleans? What, why do we face this stuff? Why do we go through this stuff? It's the same question that the disciples are asking. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? But I want you to be careful. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Don't ever confuse God's silence with a lack of concern. Don't ever confuse God's silence with a lack of concern. The powerful thing about storms is that they are an opportunity for us to cry out to Jesus. They actually present themselves as a moment where we can draw in and we can lean in closer to our walk with Jesus than we even were before the storm. Because storms are never sent to destroy us. They're always sent to develop us. The storms in your life aren't meant to destroy you. They are actually meant to develop you. And and 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter actually makes it clear. He says, cast all your 
anxiety on him because he what? Come on, he what? Come on, I want you to say that. He what? He cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And maybe you're here today and you don't know exactly where you're at in your walk with Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're just trying out this church thing and you're maybe you're in the beginning of a journey of kind of what it means to have a relationship with God and to walk with God. And you say, does, does God actually care about the storms that are in my life? And I'm here today to tell you a resounding yes. He cares deeply about the storms that are happening in your life. Christ cares for you, and he can help you in the middle of a crisis. So how, did this, how does this all turn out? Well, I kind of imagine it like this. I kind of imagine that Jesus rolled over, kind of wiped the sleep out of his eyes there, and then Jesus actually speaks to nature because what God creates, he can also control. Hello? And he actually speaks up, and he tells the wind and the waves to be still. And everything gets still. But, but as that is happening, okay, after he rebukes the storm, after he tells everything to be still, I don't know about you, but if I'm like one of the disciples, I'm like standing behind Jesus, you know, and I'm, I'm like, that's right, you better be still, you know, I'm with him, you know, that kind of thing. And he speaks to that storm, and he says, be still. Everything calms down. And then he presents a teaching lesson to his guys. And it's a lesson that I want all of us to grab a hold of before we leave this place. He asked them those two questions. The two questions that I had you repeat at the beginning of this talk. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The word afraid here actually means, the statement actually means timid to the point of giving up. Why are you so timid that you feel like giving up? Why are you so afraid that you actually feel like quitting right now? He's actually looking at the disciples, and really what I believe with all of my heart is that this was a crucial moment for the disciples to decide whether or not they were going to continue on this journey of being a disciple, of being a Christ follower. I think Jesus is speaking into their spirits at this point, into their hearts at this point, and saying, I'm, I'm going to read between the lines here, and I'm going to help you understand that I know some of you are actually considering quitting right now. Some of you are actually considering giving up. Why are you so afraid, so timid, so fearful that you actually feel like giving up on your walk with God right now? Then he asked this, do you still have no faith? Because the presence of fear can indi indicate an absence of faith, can it? We only have two options, friends. I just have to present to you. We only have two options when storm, storms hit our life. We only have the option of fear or faith. Everybody say fear or faith. We only have those two options. When the storm arrives, it's either fear or faith. And how many of you are like me and you lean towards fear? Come on, somebody. Okay? I know there's a few of you that are more spiritual than I am in the room. Okay? 
and you lean towards faith, but I'm just telling you, here's how it usually goes with me. Oh my word, what are we gonna do? I feel like giving up, I feel like quitting, and then I have a conversation with my wife who's more spiritual than I am. And she says, sweetie, we're not gonna quit. We're gonna have faith. God's gonna work it out. It's gonna be incredible. I'm just telling you right now, friends, the absence of faith can produce fear in our lives. And what the way that you get through The fear is to focus on what you need to be focused on, and that is that you have Jesus with you in the storm. You can focus on Christ, or you can focus on the storm. You choose where you put that focus, and that will choose whether you have fear or whether you have faith. If you will focus on Jesus, your faith will carry you through. When we, when, we, when we have our faith is in Christ, we can walk through the storms of life fearlessly. I want you just to listen to this passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 through 7. When you're in over your head, Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrases it like this. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God. I paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. So don't be afraid. I am with you. I know I'm having you say a lot of stuff out loud this morning, but I want us just to, we're going to read that again, and I want us to read it together out loud because I need this to get deep on the inside of you here this morning. Come on, let's read it. Isaiah 43, 2 through 7. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God. I paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. So don't be afraid. I am with you. The lesson of the storm is simple yet profound. Jesus never promises a smooth ride, but he guarantees to see us to our destination. And it's not that we don't have storms. It's that no matter what I go through, I can get through whatever I'm going through because I have Jesus in the boat. Hello? If Jesus is with me, it doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter what I go through. I can get through whatever I need to get through, whatever storm arises, whether it's announced or unannounced, I can make it through because I have Jesus in my boat with me. Mm. Because here's what you discover the longer you walk with Christ. The storms that are going on on the outside of our life the situations, the circumstances that we face, the hard times, the struggles that arise, those things that you can actually put into words, the financial situation, the relationship problem, the, the marital issue, the, the, the struggle with one of your children, whatever is happening in your life, those are never as great as the storms that are actually going on in the inside of you. And Jesus understands as he's teaching his guys that the the storm that's happening here as we are on the Sea of Galilee isn't as big a deal as the storm that's happening on the inside of you right now. 
So he's speaking to us, not just to our external circumstances. He's speaking to what's happening on the inside of us. And did you notice what happened at the end of the passage? The disciples asked this question. They say, who is this man? Who is this man that can speak to the winds and the waves and they obey? Who is this man that actually is so calm in the middle of moments that we feel like we are actually going to die? Who is this man that can speak not only to the external storms, but can speak into the storms of our heart that are happening right now? There's this lesson that they're learning of who is this man. And we know this. We know he is Jesus. We know he is God's son, right? We know he is the Christ. We know that he's indescribable. We know that he's incomprehensible. We know this. We know that we can trust him, right? We know that he is trustworthy and he is present. He is with us right now, whatever situation we are facing in our life. And as the band comes forward, there's one thing that I want to draw in this passage that I want to draw your attention to. And that is this, okay? Here's the one thing, and there's one thing that I'm going to beg you to remember before you leave this place. Here it is. The disciples had one thing that they had to do, okay? We can point at them and say, oh, my word, why were they so freaked out? Jesus was in the boat and, you know, and. They, they should have known he was, no, I think that they actually did the right thing. I think that they, they knew that Jesus could, could get them through this. They knew that if he would wake up, that he could, he could change the situation. And there's one thing that they did well that I want us to do the same as well, okay? Write this down if you're taking notes. Notes. It's a simple concept, but I believe it can change your heart, change your life. And I believe that this concept that I'm about to tell you will be the difference between those of you that walk with God for the rest of your life and those of you that a year from now are gone. It's this concept right here. They stayed in the boat. They stayed in the boat. They simply stayed in the boat. Turn to your neighbor and say, just stay in the boat. Just stay in the boat. You got to stay in the boat. Don't tell me that they weren't tempted to jump ship. I kind of picture it like this. I kind of picture it as Simon Peter is looking back and on the beach, okay, that, that doesn't ever tell us that it was nighttime. In fact, most likely this happened during the daytime. And I kind of picture it as there's this 10, 12 foot waves, this squall that's happening all around them. And Simon Peter turns around and he sees family members that are throwing beach balls on the, on the, the beach. 
and they're grilling hamburgers on the beach. And I kind of picture it as we can stay here and die or we can go back to where we started. We can go back to the beach. And isn't that the temptation that all of us face? The temptation that we face is it seemed to me that life was easier before I jumped in this boat with Jesus. It seemed to me that it, was, it seemed much so much simpler and it actually felt like maybe there was less storms and there was less happening in my life. So what we are tempted to do is to do what? We're tempted to jump out of the boat and go back to where we started. I'm telling you this. I'm begging you here today. Stay in the boat stay there stay with Jesus no matter what is happening even if you have a moment where you question him and you go God I don't understand what you're doing I know you're good because your word says you're good but it doesn't feel good what's happening right now doesn't feel good at all it feels Lord like you're upset it feels like you've got some problem with me it feels maybe like you're distant or like you don't care but God I know you're good so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay in the boat I'm gonna stay with you I'm gonna keep showing up I'm gonna keep going to small group I'm gonna keep going to church I'm going to keep walking with you. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep reading your word. I'm going to keep understanding and growing in my walk with you, God. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay in the boat. I'm going to stay in the boat. And as you stay in the boat, when these storms hit, you're going to find three things that I want you to write down. You're going to find out that Jesus is going to deal with our fear. He's going to deal with your fear. And you know what's interesting? The longer you walk with God, the bigger the storm has to be to rock you. Because here's what happens. Things that used to rock me in a big way, they don't rock me that like that anymore. So the storms actually have to get bigger because what happens is every time I walk through a storm and I stay in the boat with Jesus, my fear becomes smaller and my faith grows. So the lesson number one is he deals with your fear. The second thing he does is he grows your faith. He grows your faith. Your faith will become bigger than your fear if you stay in the boat. Last but not least, this is a big one. He will increase your all. He will increase your all. In other words, when you stay in the boat and you walk with Jesus, your awe of who Jesus is grows. You're going, Jesus, you're so much bigger. You're so much better. You're so much more incredible than I ever realized. God, as you get me through this storm, as you get me to the other side of my destination where I'm going, Lord, there is this, I am so in awe of you. You are so incredible. I'm telling you, I'm begging you, friends, stay in the boat and allow your fear to decrease, your faith to increase, and your awe of who Jesus is to grow in your life.